You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. Well, good morning. We continue our series, First and Ten, Living the Commands, and we've been talking through the Ten Commandments, and we're getting close to the end here. Um, but it's been a good series. I've loved it, enjoyed it. It's even my, my own time in preparing and studying and thinking through all this. This has definitely um, stepped on my toes and my heart and my mind in several ways. So hopefully, as we've walked through this together, that it's challenged you in some ways as well. So, you know, one of the things about being in America is that we have an extraordinary amount of wealth, don't we, um, as, as a whole. And uh, this past week, I was reading an article out of Forbes, and they came out with and kind of talking about the 20th richest people in the United States right now. And those 20 people together, if you took all of their wealth together, their wealth together is more than all of Canada's gross domestic product. So 20 people in the U.S. have more than the gross domestic product of all of Canada. So that's a lot of stinking money. All right. And um, so one of the wealthiest people, as you know, you get stuff delivered to your house from him on a daily, even sometimes multiple times a day um, as Christmas is coming for sure is Mr. Bezos. And he is worth right now, as of the other day, when I put this in my notes, two hundred and one billion dollars. Um, and he's almost more than doubled his wealth during covid. So um, because you guys are clicking and medicating through covid, I don't know. Y'all are making this guy Lots of money, so much so he's sending ships to space and stuff. So, uh, Mr. Musk, who's moving here next because he doesn't want to pay California's taxes, um, is at 190.5 billion. And uh, Mr. Zuckerberg, who changed the name of his company this week, is at a, almost 135 billion. And um, that's a lot of change. You know, like I think Mr. Zuckerberg is like 134.5 billion dollars, and I'm like, hey, Zuck. You won't miss that point five. Crosspoint has some things we want to do. Let's just drop that in the in the couch and have me over for dinner. And while I'll sneak around in the couch and find some of that stuff. But there's some other people you probably don't know that are investors or whatever. The interesting thing to me about all this is minus the Waltons, you know, the Walmart people, um, most of them are self-made millionaires. Now, their dad, dad, grandpa made a lot of money, but they kind of joined in all that fun. But all most of these are self-made where they made it themselves. They started out like us and got to there. And it's interesting to think about, like, what is one of the things, how do they get there and all that stuff. And so one of the guys on the list is Warren Buffett, um, who some of you may know, and he's getting on up there in years. And, and I'm like, I've been calling him up, sending him letters and saying, hey, I think you're my long lost, lost grandparent or something. And um, he's worth a lot of money. Um, but you know what? One of the things about these guys is I've read up and studied biographies of different people, one of the things that is essential to all of them is that they are actually pretty boring people, that they are have habits and they are intentional about everything they do and they live very simply and very frugally. Matter of fact, Mr. Buffett, every single day for the last 60 years or so, same breakfast at the same McDonald's every single day, he gets an Egg McMuffin and a coffee on his way to work. And uh, he's, he's very frugal. And so for some of us, we should probably... And who knew that um, McDonald's was healthy? That's a good thing to know as well. So, so we're in this new age of massive amounts of wealth, but I've heard stories of the Great Depression, and you know, maybe some of you read The Grapes of Wrath or whatever, and um, that was an incredibly different time than what we're 
currently seeing or what we've been seeing over the last little years. And, and one of the things about me that maybe you don't know is I, I love some older things. And so like Saturday evening posts and Norman Rockwell paintings and something like that, I always felt like Norman Rockwell could capture a moment in time pretty well. And so this isn't one of his paintings I'm going to show you, but it's a Saturday evening post. And, um, and it was from the time um, of the Depression. So maybe if I can push the buttons right. Did I get it right? Is it going? There we go. Oh, I pushed it while he pushed it. There we go. So you can see this is an older painting that they put on the Saturday Evening Post. And I think one of the interesting things about it is you, you see the butcher. Again, this is during the Depression. So you see the butcher, and what's the butcher doing? He's pushing the scale, right, because he wants to make a little extra, so he's kind of helping it out a little bit. And then what's the sweet little old lady doing? She's pushing up on the scales. And so one of the reasons I wanted to point that out to you is that whenever we were I was studying this, is that more than 90% of people that proclaim the name of Jesus say that they do not struggle with commandment number eight, stealing. And um, I would say that, that that is probably not accurate, that probably many of us struggle with stealing. We just don't... I, correctly understand what stealing is. And so I want us to grasp that this morning. And the the heart of stealing is this, is that we do not trust that God is going to fully provide for our needs. And so we take something or we're lazy or whatever it is, and the heart of that is that we don't trust that God's going to provide for our needs or that God's caring about every little single detail of our life. And so maybe you're on one side where you're pushing down the weight, or maybe you're pushing up. But there are times in our life where we don't trust God to provide for our needs. And so how do we make money? I think it's pretty easy. We work, hopefully. And uh, if you have kids or grandkids or whatever, you're wanting them to have a work ethic. And I think that that's one of the things that's a, it's a crux in today's society is what does hard work look like? And we grew up in a culture where it was agricultural or blue-collar, and we're doing all this different stuff. And now so much is done around a computer. And so work and work ethic looks so different, and so trying to grasp what that is. Um, you can also make money through gifts, and so listen, it's that season, so if you want to gift me with something, I'll be more than glad to help you with that. But, um, you know, at Christmas time, you get gifts, and so a $20 gift, a $200 gift, a $2,000 gift, whatever it is, you take that, and that adds to your income so that it can, could potentially impact your outgo, right? Um, inheritance, some of you are hoping for an inheritance. I recently had this conversation with with my family, and I was like, listen, the $10 that you're going to be passing on to be, like, just go to 7-Eleven and get a big Slurpee or something. Like, I don't need, like, live life. Like, don't try to save money so that you can bless me. Like, the blessing for me and my family is that you live life to the full and we go on a vacation or do something together. Quit trying to save all that. Um, you can't take it in a U-Haul anyway and, and all that. So, um, anyway, so investments is another way. And so I know recently... Some of you got on the Robin Hood thing, and you got a GameStop, and now you're multimillionaires. So see me after the service, and we'll talk about how we can help you with that. But um, so work and gifts and investments and all these different ways that we can make money. And here's what I want you to get. This, this is not a message about saying God does not, is not against you having wealth and possessions. That is not true. God wants you to have some wealth. He wants you to have possessions. He wants to bless you. A good father wants his children to have good things. The deal is, what is our due to our heart and how much can our heart contain the amount of wealth and possessions that God wants wants to give to us? And that maybe, just maybe, one of the reasons that we live in the wealthiest nation of the wealthiest time and that you're making the money that you're making is that God wants us to have open hands so that we can receive from him all of the blessings that he wants from us, but also that we can have his eyesight 
and weep over our neighbors and think about how we can bless those around us that maybe don't have as much as us. And so we can kind of be like Teflon and we receive it, receive the blessing, but then also who can we pass on that blessing to as well? Because God wants to bless you, but he also wants us to love like he does. And one of the ways that we can do that is be generous in that way. And so how can we possibly do that? So how do we make, we talked about that, how do we take? In Exodus chapter 20, verse 15, it's pretty simple. God says, you must not steal. Well, what is stealing? Well, I'll give you an example. When I was about four years old, now I'm the baby of all my cousins. My mom is the baby of 11 kids, okay? So my mom has nieces and nephews that are older than her. That kind of tells you the expanse. It's an old farming family. They used to do that back in the day. And um, so anyway, so I'm the youngest of all those cousins. So I have cousins that are much older than I. And they took me to the convenience store in the town that we were living at the time. And we're kind of going around. Everybody got to get something. And I didn't get to get something, or I didn't know that. And um, I walked out of the store with a gift for myself that I hadn't paid for and that my cousins hadn't paid for. And we got to the house, and we were kind of playing with all of it. And I think I probably knew, you know, inside of four or five, that I knew that, that nobody had paid for it and that I had it. And then at the moment that I had to tell, hey, look what I got, um, everybody was shocked and awed that Chris had come home with a gift that he hadn't paid for. And so my mom, when my mom came to pick me up, she, and I'm an introvert growing up. I'm still a little bit of an introvert, but growing up, definitely an introvert. And so my mom made me go back to that convenience store and confess my sin to that person and pay for it. Now, you know, I'm not really getting an allowance at four or five. You're not, you're getting like a quarter or whatever. And so I had to pay for it and it came out of my rear end and some other things later on. And for that stealing part, you know what I stole? Money. You know those packs of fake money that had with like those $100 bills and $1,000 bills and million-dollar bills and those plastic coins? That's Because I was four or five. I was like, I'm getting money, baby. And so I had it. So that's my crime. I was in a crime wave in East Texas. It was me stealing fake money and uh, holding on to it and hoarding it. But stealing is taking something in a stealthy way, okay? As the Scripture tells us, ganaf is the word, and it's taking something away in a stealthy kind of a manner. And so how do we take? How do we steal? You can do it like I did, just burglar it, right? Robbery, larceny, hijacking, shoplifting, purse snatching, picket pocketing, whatever. What do we call it? Picket? Yeah, yeah, my French left me for some reason. And so, you know, if you've ever been around another country, what do they tell you? Hold your money close to you, put it around your belt or whatever, because someone will bump into you. And next thing you know, you don't have your passport or your money, and you're stuck in a country, and you don't know what to do. So pickpocket, purse snatching, embezzlement, extortion, um, racketeering. As a matter of fact, we think about it. Listen, how many of you have been in a hotel recently? All right, two of you. Okay, that's awesome. COVID's changed things. Well, listen, in hotels, one hotel recently did an assessment of their uh, – things at the end of the year, and they realized that over the course of one year, 38,000 spoons were stolen. Yeah, so somebody has a lot of spoons at their house. If I come to your house and you have excess spoons, I know it's you. All right? This this is the one that cracks me up, because you hear stuff, and so 18,000 tiles were stolen. This must have been Scar and Sons. They were needing some extra stuff. No, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, how do you like steal extra tiles? Like, hey, honey, we're got a little remodeling project in the house. Well, let's book the hotel. I don't know. So they did, and they were taking tiles and stuff. 350 coffee pots, and this is the cool one. Over a hundred Bibles were stolen. 
And I mean, if they're going to steal something, at least they're stealing something good and profitable, right? And so they stole a Bible. So stealing is just one of those things that kind of happens. And sometimes we, we take things. Some of you like the towels, and so you took a towel, or you, you like the slippers or the gown or whatever. And you're like, eh, they won't miss it. Well, they do. They take inventory, and they got your name, and they're coming for you. So other ways we steal is tax fraud. Um, sometimes the government takes from us. We won't get into that, all right, but they can take from you. Um, we sometimes steal from work. All right. Um, last year, over $200 billion worth of stuff was taken from work. This was just right before COVID, okay? So $200 billion. That's Bezos. Y'all stole Amazon, and y'all have it at your house. That's how much money that is. That's a lot of money. Sometimes our employers cheat us. They tell us they're going to do something or pay us, and they don't. Um, false advertisements, you've ever seen those where, hey, if you do this or whatever. That's actually, that started in the pharmaceutical business. There's a great book that I'm reading right now called Empire of Pain, and the family that started, that produced OxyContin and all that stuff, their grandfather started a pharmaceutical company, and he was really great with words, and he created false advertisements. And these false advertisements helped make them extremely wealthy. This is before OxyContin, and so it's a great read, but it's this false um, giving you something that you won't get and all this different kind of things. Um, price gouging. Sometimes you go and a salesman will exaggerate what you'll get from this product and so you buy it. Um, insurance fraud. Um, one of the things that I deal with on a daily basis in the college classes that I teach is this um, thing called plagiarism where you take someone else's ideas and make them your own. You're like, wow, that's a three-and-a-half-page paper, and it almost looks like an A.W. Tozar book or Charles Spurgeon sermon or something. It's like, hmm, interesting. And so one of my mentors said, hey, listen, if you're going to plagiarize, plagiarizing for one is stealing. Plagiarizing from a bunch of people is called research. So plagiarize from a bunch of people. Um, anyway, intellectual property, that kind of stuff. And then something that we are constantly dealing with, um, and it's actually happened to me, is identity theft. And so whenever Becky and I had moved to Denver and we were looking to rent, kind of get the lay of the land, um, somewhere in that move, somebody had borrowed my identity. And so the renter guy was looking at our stuff, and he's like, hey, I know this is the things that you do. You're a pastor, da, 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 da. But it's showing you as this, and it has had me listed as six foot four, 250-pound African-American. And I was like, that's me, baby. I'm in the league. Sign me up. You know what I mean? I'm like, no, that's definitely not me. So somebody had obviously borrowed my deal. And then like a couple of weeks later, I started getting AARP notices. And so I knew, and I was like 28 years old, and I was like, hey, something's definitely going on. And so anyway, how else do we take? We waste time. You know, sometimes we just waste time. We just, eh, I could get to it. You get around to it, procrastinate maybe, what they call it, you know, homework or projects or whatever. We waste our talents. Sometimes you know that you're talented or you know that you could be doing this and you just, for whatever reason, you don't. And then also we we waste our treasure. We waste our money. We don't necessarily steward it well. So stealing, I think at its core, is this idea of failing to trust that God will provide for us. Okay? Is that we fail to believe that God's going to provide for us in whatever way that we're stealing. Maybe it's you need some tiles and you don't think God's going to provide to do it, so you're going to find a way to get it. But also the other side to this is when we steal, we also steal the provisions that God has for other people. So it's a two-edged sword. Again, God's not against us having treasure and possessions and wealth. He's not. But he's against the foolish thinking that the treasures that you're pursuing, the trinkets that you're pursuing, will bring you satisfaction and satisfaction that lasts. And so this started in the garden. 
So in the garden at the beginning, whenever Adam and Eve were created, God breathed his breath, his ruach, his pneuma into Adam and into Eve, and he gave them this satisfaction. So in the presence, that's the beauty of the garden, they were in the presence of God, they were walking with him, they were in relationship with him, and they were satisfied. But along came this tempter, and the tempter showed them, hey, that apple looks really appealing. And so they took a bite of it. And the moment that they took a bite of it, there was a fracture in the relationship between God. And I, the best way I can describe it is this, is that they received, Adam and Eve received a gut punch in that moment. And that gut punch, it took the air out of them. It took the breath out of them. It disrupted the relationship with God. And so for all the rest of eternity, for mankind, we have now been longing to catch our breath. And that the only way that we can catch our breath is through the Spirit of God and us saying yes to Jesus. And when we say yes to Jesus, the Spirit of God then takes residence with inside of us. And then we can finally go, <gasps> Now, if you've ever had your breath knocked out of you, it is scary to have your breath knocked out. You're like, and you can't catch it, right? And so you're wanting it. And that is what, if you do not know Jesus, that is how you live your life in pursuit of a satisfying breath that can make you rest. And so that stealing is saying that I'm trying to get something to satisfy this. And for us as followers of Jesus, we have the one thing that satisfies, and that is him. But every once in a while, we see a trinket, and we pursue it. We think that this is going to add something to our life or whatever, and we take it. And it's foolish thinking. You've seen it at Christmas. It's coming up. Some of you have something on your Sears wish list or your Amazon wish list or however you're creating wish lists these days, and you want something and you want it under the tree and then you open it and it's really cool for a day or two or maybe for a week, but somewhere along the way, the, the glitter and the glamour of all of that fades away because it doesn't satisfy because it wasn't meant to satisfy. But you bought the sales pitch that this is the thing that you need that will bring your life to completion. And that is foolish thinking. The only thing that satisfies is the person of Jesus Christ. So then how do we live rich then? We are called to be stewards. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are called to be stewards. And so what that means is that you are called to be the caretaker of the household, that God has given you resources, he's given you wealth, and he wants you to take care of it because he's gone for a little bit. So imagine with me, you live here in LaGrange, Texas, and you have this wonderful house with this money, and you have all kinds of activities and things going on, and you're to manage it because the boss is in Europe and doing stuff in Europe, but they're going to come home one day. And when they come home, they're going to take account of what's there. They're going to know how come some chili's missing, how come some beans are missing, how come the car has extra miles on it, whatever it may be, they're going to take a detailed account of it. And that is the relationship that God says that we are to have with his wealth. Interesting thing. It's not our wealth, but it's his wealth that he's given us to be stewards of, and he's going to take account of it. So there's three attitudes that I want us to get and think about that we can have toward possessions and money and wealth. And the first one is this, is what's yours is mine. What's yours is mine. We would call that stealing. I'm going to get what you got because it glimmers, it glistens, I want it. And so I think about the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. The son sees the wealth and sees how the father lives and says, it's yours. Eventually it's going to be mine, I, but I want it now. So a man, the scripture says in Luke 15, a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die, which was a big thing 
another message. And his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. And a few days later, the younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money in wild living. It's this idea of he squandered it. He saw what he saw. He wanted what he wanted. And he pursued it and wasted all of that money. What's yours is mine. That's stealing. That's a one attitude toward money. The next money attitude that I want you to get is what's mine is mine. In other words, it's mine. I want it. And what I would call this is closed-handed thinking. Okay? So the rich fool in Luke chapter 12 has this where he received it, and he actually maybe received even more than he thought that he, he was going to receive. He got a Christmas bonus or something. And so instead of saying, ooh, who can I bless with this? He thought, oh, it's mine. And he kind of puts it around. Somebody who's one of... Uh, not that I've ever done this, but in poker, they've won the big pot. And what do they do? They rake it in, right? And so it's like, it's mine. It's that kind of an attitude. God blesses you, and you're like, yes, and you rake it in. And so in the rich young fool, that was his mindset. He said, beware. This has got Jesus talking, telling a story. He says, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Now, we know that intellectually. We know that. We know that when we pass away, they're not hooking up a U-Haul and taking it and putting it there. Like, there's not, they're not going to build a, a little pyramid for us and people are going to dig us up. I mean, it's not going to, we, when we're done, we're done, but we live life differently. We live this way so many times. Then Jesus told him a story of how we have a tendency to live. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops and he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. In other words, God has given me an abundance. And so instead of asking how much is enough and how can I share, he's like, what can I do to keep it? So what's he do? I know. I'll tear down the barns and the silos and I'll build bigger ones. Then I'll have enough room to store all my stuff. Now, listen, we have a perfect example of that going on up the street at that town of about 90 people, right? And what's the big part of that is we're pursuing more Stuff. Now, that's not bad, but at the same point, like, how can we just keep going and going and going? That selfish living is foolish living. What's mine is mine, and I'm not going to share it, which is kind of like a toddler, right? Toddlers do that. We learned this year. You got a, a you, an unsatisfactory and a report card because you didn't play well or share with others. All right, the next th- mindset is what's mine is God's, and I'll share it. What's mine is God's, and I'll share it. In Luke chapter 12, the parable of the good steward, a faithful, sensible servant or steward is one who mastered, when the master can give responsibility of managing the household servants and feeding them and taking care of them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, what happens? There will be a reward. And I tell you the truth, the master will put the servant in charge of all that he owns. In other words, that guy gives a little bit, and if we're faithful with it, he'll give us more. God's math doesn't equal our math. I can tell you story after story after story of people that have obediently lived out this principle of God has blessed me. It's his money, not mine. I'm going to steward and give away as best I can. I'm going to take care of my family. That's my first priority. I'm going to give to the church and to the gospel stuff, and I'm going to give to poor. I am going to be a steward of the things that God has for us. And it's scary to do because we seek security and comfort. But if we believe that God cares for us and loves for us and can provide for us, we have that ability to be open-handed. 
a good steward, someone that works hard and cares for their family and shares of the gospel and is good for the poor. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm a city boy, and recently we've bought some property, and we have some acreage, and to keep all of our ag exemption and stuff like that, we have these things called cows. Y'all heard of those things? And so we have some cows on part of the property and, and all that stuff. And did you know that cows have a mind of their own? We've learned that. And so we had some friends, they put some cows on the backside, and they were there for a day or two or whatever, and I don't know what happened. But in the middle of the night one night, I think it was actually a Saturday night before church, um, we heard some rustling going on in the back. And I'm like, what in the world is happening? Like, you could hear this noise. I'm like, this is weird. What's going on? It's 2 o'clock in the morning. So I told Becky, go check it out. And uh, No, I didn't. I thought about it, but I didn't. I love my life too much. Um, but anyway, so I went and checked it out, and I turned on the back porch light, and lo and behold, there was a cow looking at me through the face. So I don't know if they had learned from our animals that if you go outside, you get to come inside and get a treat. I don't know what was happening. But they had made it through the fence, and they were here. And over, and so I began to study and research these cows. And you know what they do? They put their face through the fence because there's grass on my side that's not as good as the grass on their side, but they will eat because there's a fence there. They think that it's always greener on the other side. So they'll put their head through there and they will get out that way. They'll knock over the fence or if there's a weakness in the boundary or whatever, they'll, they'll kind of get over it. Do you know that we live life that way? That we, God has given us some boundaries to do life called the Ten Commandments. And again, they're not rules to check off, but they're boundaries to find life in its fullness. And that we constantly have this mindset and this eye set of the grass is greener on the other side. Even though we have plenty of grass, even probably better grass, that we can peruse and take care of, we just kind of go to the edge and we put our head through and we kind of know, and next thing you know we're on the other side and we're somewhere we're not supposed to be. And what I want you to grasp is this, is that God has given you more than enough. And as we sang a little bit ago, God is enough. He's more than enough. And I know that we're all in, in different places. And this is a difficult, I believe, a difficult economic situation that we're currently living in. And it's going to be that way. Gas, I've seen you complaining on Facebook about the gas prices. And there's not enough stuff. There's all kinds of stuff going on. It's different in some ways. But God has given us more than enough. And so instead of constantly looking and seeing outside of the fence, let's live here. And enjoy the bounty that God has given us. That God wants us to live a rich life. And what I mean by a rich life is this, is the life that's full, that doesn't have pain, it doesn't have shame, it doesn't have regrets, because we've gone off of the ranch and kind of doing our own thing. God loves you and cares for you, and he is all-sufficient, and he will provide for your needs. Sometimes we just need to ask. Sometimes we don't even ask because we don't believe that he'll provide for us. Sometimes we're just we're asking for something a little bit extra and still ask because God the Father loves you and he will give you what you need when he can give it to you. Sometimes we ask for things and you don't get it because it's not time or it's not appropriate for you because he knows your heart and you can't handle it. And sometimes that's, that's a hard thing as a parent. Like, listen, my son at eight years old came up to me and was like, Dad, I need a Ford Mustang Cobra GT. And was like waiting for the keys. And I gave him a little wheel match, matchbox car and said, have fun. Right? But we do that with God. God, give me this. And God's like, you're not ready for that. So here's what I want to challenge y'all with. 
I don't talk, we don't talk a whole lot about money here, and uh, that's not my heartbeat. And so I know sometimes people think that, hey, when a pastor talks about money, they want something from me. As a matter of fact, I, don't, I want you to understand, I don't want anything from you as far as financial stuff. I want something for you. Again, time after time after time in my own life and in other people's lives that I know that have been obedient to the call to be good stewards of what God has given us, God blesses them over and abundantly. It may be financially, it may not be. But they know that they know that they know that God is the author of the blessings. And so my challenge for you is this, is if you're not giving financially, begin to give. And you don't even have to give here. You can give somewhere else. I don't really care about that as much as what I care about what God will do in your heart and your life as you begin to be open-handed and begin to realize that God has blessed you. One of the things that I've learned and in talking with people over the years is when they begin to give, they begin to actually look at their budget a little bit more and look at saying, hey, where do I spend money on Starbucks? Or where do I spend money on going out to eat? Or where are there places that I'm like free with my money that I didn't even know that I can be more generous? And actually I have more money than I realize. And here's the thing. God's math is not our math. I cannot tell you that. I know it sounds weird, but one plus one in God's economy does not equal two. And I don't know why, I don't understand, other than that God is just wanting us to say, he wants to show us that if we'll be obedient, and probably the hardest thing to be obedient in, is he will bless us. And in Malachi chapter 3, he even says to us, if you're not giving, you're stealing. You're robbing from me. It's the only place that he says that if you will do this thing, there is a guaranteed reward for this. And so my challenge for all of us is maybe to start to give $5 or $10 or $15 and look and say, God, how can I be obedient in this area? How can I live rich? For listen, one of the ways that we can, can best model who God is, John 3.16. For God so loved you that he gave extravagantly. And for us to be open-handed and say, God, what you give to me, it's yours anyway. How can I steward it? Maybe I have a, need, a neighbor that needs $10. Maybe I have a neighbor that needs new tires. Maybe I have a neighbor that needs for me to mow their yard. It doesn't have to always be financial, but maybe you have a mower and you have some time and you can mow your neighbor's yard just to say I love you and I care for you. How can you live rich and give away the blessings that God's given you? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your extravagance with us. That it's because of that that you gave your son, Jesus, so that we could have life and have life to the full. Father, I pray that each one of us would keep our eyes and our necks in the fence that you've given us. That we can live life in great abundance. And that the grass on the other side is may look greener, but it is not where you want us. Father, may we enjoy the place that you've given us, Father. Father, may we have open hands and to share what you've given us. Even if it's just a penny, even if it's just a dollar, whatever, it's not just. It's not the amount, it's the heartbeat. May we be generous with what you've given us, just as you've been generous with us. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church Podcast. 
It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Crosspoint Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.